Today I want to kick off a, a brand new sermon series called God Is. Now when you, uh, th- through the course of this series, when you think of that and finishing that sentence for yourself, you know, just think about what word would you put in there if you were going to complete that, God is what? And uh, I sat down with that and kind of thought about several different ways that I wanted to finish that sentence. And uh, I think there are some things that I'm going to share in this series that are really going to be a, both a help and perhaps a challenge to you in your own walk of faith and certainly some things that you can pass along for some others. Uh, today, I, w- I want to talk about um, one that I, I think will be kind of like preaching to the choir a little bit, but uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a good challenge to us. Everybody repeat after me. God is real. Now say it like you mean it. God is real. Do you believe that? Real interesting. God, how many of you get the Sunday paper? Anybody? Yeah. Um, last week in the Sunday paper, I don't know if you saw this, there was a, a section called Oklahoma and Religion. And it was just a real interesting observation about how Oklahoma compares to the rest of the country in terms of where it stands in terms of people who believe in God or believe in, you know, or consider themselves to be religious. And uh, I thought it was real interesting because Oklahoma is kind of looked at as the buckle of the Bible belt. You know, this is a place where faith is, is really very, very prevalent. In fact, here, I think it says, uh, it's like, it says that 71% of the Oklahomans say that they believe in God with absolute certainty. 71%, which I thought was interesting because then it said 79% of the Oklahomans consider themselves to be Christian. Let that sink in for a second. 71% say they believe in God with absolute certainty, but then 79% say, well, I want to make sure I get to heaven, so I'm going to consider myself a Christian anyway. I just thought that, I just thought that was, that was kind, kind of funny. But it, it reminded me that, um, that there are people who really don't believe that God is real, and, and hear what I'm saying in this, and then there are also a lot of us who don't believe God is really real. In other words, that he really is who he claims to be and that he can really do in our lives what he says he can do. And and today, I don't know where you are on that spectrum. You may be one of those who say, I believe with absolute certainty that God is real and he is working in a personal and powerful way in my life every day. And if that's true for you, then I hope that today will be a great reinforcement for you and maybe give you a few things that as you encounter others you, you can, that you can share. There may be, for some of you, um, the fact that you say, yeah, I believe, I believe God is real, but God is kind of you know, he's there. I know, I, I believe that there is a God, but I'm not, I'm not really sure that I passionately believe that. And if that's for you, then today I hope I nudge you a little bit to believe maybe just a little bit more passionately about that God who really is there. And there may be some of us, if, if we were really honest, that would say, Pastor Steve, honestly, you know, I, I love being around godly people, but I'm just not sure that God is real. And if that's okay to be there, and if that's where you're at, then I hope that today will help you take a step forward in your belief in God. Are you ready? I want you to take your sermon outline out with me, and I want you to look at a passage of Scripture when Paul was writing to the Roman church, uh, and he was talking about people who you know, didn't, don't really believe in God. Here's what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. He says, for ever since the world was created, 
People have seen the earth and sky. And though every, through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his external power, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have no excuse for knowing God. In other words, Paul says, you know, people everywhere know there's a God. He said, all you got to do is look around, and if you're open, you can really see him, which I think is interesting because what we know is that everywhere you go in the world, it doesn't matter if they are unreached people groups or not, there is in almost every culture this uh, form of religion, this form of worshiping a God, though they may not know who he is or what he's about. Here's what Ecclesiastes says, God has set eternity in our hearts. And I think that sense of knowing that there is an eternity within us makes us kind of in the back of our mind say, I think there's something out there, even if I really don't know what it is. Now, I, I sat down and I, I started thinking last weekend when I was working on this message, I started thinking about why, why don't some people believe in God? Why is that? I mean, for some of us, we find it very easy, but there are people who don't. Why is that? And I thought of several reasons, but I'm only going to give you about five, I think, here today. Ready? Here we go. On your outline, if you want to track along with me. Some people don't believe in God because, quite frankly, they've been disappointed by God. They've been disappointed by God. Now, I'm not going to ask you to show your hands because I think it might be hard for some of us to admit that God has disappointed us at times, but I think if we were honest... I think most of us in this room would say somewhere on this journey, you know, God hasn't done what I've wanted him to do. Um, how many of you have discovered you can't control God? Have you ever done yet? And, and that's frustrating to us, isn't it? And every once in a while, you know, you'll run into someone who says, you know, um, I, sometime a long time ago, my mother or my father or my brother or my sister or someone that I love got sick, and I prayed that God would heal them, and he did not. And you know what? I stopped believing in God. Why? Because God wouldn't do what I wanted him to do. Some people would say, you know what? There was a, a job that I applied for, and I really deserved that job, and somebody else got that job that really didn't deserve it. And you know what? I just stopped believing in God. And if you, the only kind of God you can believe in is a God that you can control, you're never going to believe in him because you can't control God. Amen? You can't. A second reason that some people don't believe in God is because, frankly, they've been hurt by God followers. They've been hurt by God followers. Can we be honest? We don't always, as Christians, act very godly, do we? Come on, how many of you would confess, I don't always act like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes what has happened along the way, and I, and I know some of us have had that experience, we've encountered people who say they are Christian or say they are godly, and yet they don't act in Christian or godly ways. And sometimes when, when that happens to us, there are people who say, you know what, if that's what Christianity is about, if that what that God thing is all about, then you know what, I don't want any part of it. And that's where some people stand. I've been hurt by people who call themselves God followers, and I'm out. Sometimes that's it. A third reason some people don't believe in God is because they can't accept God as he is. They can't accept God as he is. You ever heard people say, well, if I were God, yeah, but you're not. <laughs> 
And in other words, when they finish that sentence, it tells you about some part of God that they don't like. If that's how God is, then I really can't believe in a God like that. You know, I think one of the things that causes a lot of people problems in their faith and believing in God is this whole idea that God doesn't control the evil that goes on in the world. And sometimes that's what you hear people say. If there really is a God, then why is there so much evil in the world? And it's so interesting to me how often God gets blamed for the things that people do. And we want to we get mad at God for the evil that is in people's hearts. And uh, Jesus promised us. He, he, he never said this was going to be a rose garden, did he? In fact, in John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we do have trouble. Amen. He says, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. In other words, God doesn't promise us that in this world he's going to deal with evil. He said there will come a time. Look at me. Hear my heart. There will come a time evil will be judged. There will come a time when we all have to stand before God and we give an account for what we've done. There there comes a time when God will act as judge and rectify the wrong that has been done. But in this world, as we live in it, evil is prevalent. And sometimes we, we struggle with that. I saw a story. Throw that picture up on the screen for me. This lovely young lady, is. Uh, her name is Grace Carter. Uh, she was a pastor's wife, lives in um, Pritchard, uh, Alabama. And uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, she was sitting in this little tiny church, wood frame church building. Uh, she was in a circle. They were having a Bible study. And as uh, she was sitting there in the circle, uh, all of a sudden, she slumped over in her chair. And uh, the people in the circle rushed to her. They thought she had passed out or, or was having a heart attack. They called 911, and they got her on the floor. They started doing chest compressions, and the EMTs arrived fairly quickly. And when they pulled her jacket off to, to try to get all of a sudden they saw there was blood. And they all of a sudden looked and realized this woman has been shot. And what they found was in the door, this wood door of this church, there was a bullet hole. And what had happened was there was a woman who was out in the, in the area who was, for whatever reason, just randomly firing a gun. And she shot at the door of the church, and the bullet went through this wood door and struck Grace in the heart and took her life. And it was senseless. And it's crazy. And sometimes when those kinds of things happen, you think, God, this was a good woman at a good place in a Bible study, and yet she lost her life. How in the world can you let this stuff happen? You know, and God's response is, you know, I only had one son that I sent to the world. He was perfect in every way, and you know what? They killed him too. Amen? And that's the world that we live in. And sometimes that's really hard for people. And I think one of the hard concepts we struggle with is the fact that though God doesn't control the evil that happens around us, that God in the midst of all of that still works. In fact, I thought it was really interesting. Um, Grace's daughter, her name is Dee. She was being interviewed um, on the night that her mom was shot. And uh, And here's what she said. I thought this was so cool. On on regional television, when she's being interviewed, she said to the person, they didn't know who had had done it at the time, they said to the person who did this, my mother would ask God to forgive you. We wish you no harm or ill will. I just ask that if you have a heart and a soul, 
that you please turn yourself in. Listen to the statement. She said, my mother's name was Grace, and she would want grace to be given to you. And the woman who fired that shot saw that broadcast, did turn herself in. Now, again, look at me. I, I know. There's a lot of stuff that happens. that, Like you, I go, God, I really wish you'd do something about this. And he doesn't always. But here's what I've discovered. Romans 8, 28 says, In all things, God works for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. And even in a tragedy, like what happened to grace, God seized that moment to speak his grace to that entire area. Does that make sense to you? Sometimes people don't believe in God simply because they struggle with the concept of faith. Um, we're going to read a verse in a few moments from Hebrews, and it talks about faith. And I, I think sometimes when people say, you know what, I, I want you to prove to me there's a God. You know, I, I, want you to, I want you to put God under the microscope. I want you to put him in the test tube. I want, you to, I want to be able to touch him. We're kind of like Thomas, you know, doubting Thomas who says, unless I put my finger in his wounds in his hands or I put my hand in his side, unless I actually, I'm not going to believe. And, and, and some people have a hard time that no matter what we say or do, there's an element of this journey with God that you have to take by faith. And I, I think that's really hard for people. Let me give you one more. And this one hurts a little bit too. Some people don't believe, quite frankly, because they don't want to believe. Some people don't believe in God simply because they don't want to believe. Come on, let's just be honest. It's just us. We don't like being told what to do. And the day that I acknowledge there is a God it is the day that I have to acknowledge, you know what, I may need to listen to what he has to say. Or the day that I acknowledge there's a God, I have to open myself to the possibility that one day I'm going to be st have to stand before him and I'm going to have to listen to how he evaluates my life. The day that I admit there's a God, that's accountability, and I don't really like accountability. You know, I'll never forget, um, I heard Josh McDowell speak a number of times. Josh is a, a great, not only communicator, but an apologist who did a lot of stuff in the defense of the faith and why God and Jesus was real and has done a lot of speaking on college campuses across the U.S. And never forget Josh talking about an experience he had uh, after he spoke at a, at a university that after this large gathering, a young man came up to him and he said, you know, I, I still don't believe that there, there is a God or that this Jesus was real. And Josh looked at this kid and he said, if I can prove to you that God is real, if I can prove to you that not only did Jesus Christ live, but he really was who he claimed to be, the son of God in flesh, will you serve him as Lord and Savior? And this young man looked at Josh and scoffed. He just laughed and said, well, of course not. And, Jesus, and, and Josh said, you know what? It's not a matter uh, of, of truth. It's not a matter of whether it's real or not. It's a matter of the will. Now, I, I want you to hear this. This is really important because there are some of us, we don't want to believe in God because the day we acknowledge that is the day we have to say, then that means I've got to be accountable to him and I don't want to be accountable to him. This is also really important for you to hear. For those of you who are believers, for those of you who do believe God is real, for those of you who have some people in your life and they don't believe and they choose not to believe, and you're doing everything in your power to convince them that, that God is real and that he has something for them, you need to know this, that sometimes people don't believe simply because they don't want to believe. 
And if people don't want to believe, you can't make them believe. And I, I want to take the pressure off to you because sometimes we feel like it is my job to convince people that God is real. No, 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 no. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he will guide men into all truth. And until, G, until the Holy Spirit can actually melt a person's heart and convince them to be open, you know what? None of the words you say are, are going to change that. So you share your heart. You share what God has done for you. But you know what? Some people aren't going to believe simply because they don't want to. What's it said? The Bible has a word for those people, and it's, it's a harsh word. It calls them fools. You know, you're foolish. If you won't open your heart to the things, if you won't even open your heart and mind to believe that there's a God and what he can do, you're foolish. Look at what it says in Psalm 14.1. Read it with me out loud. Only fools say in their hearts, there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them does good. Well, God is real. And this morning, I want to I give you just a couple of things that I really believe that this very real God wants to say to us. Are you ready? Here we go. Two things. One, God is real and he wants you to believe in him. He wants you to believe in him. He, he doesn't just want a, a, a head knowledge or, or, or some, you know, just kind of passing affirmation. He wants you to deeply believe that he really is there. Now, we talked about it takes faith. Now, Romans 11, verse 6, it says that. Read it out loud with me. It is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to him, comes to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Now, I told you before, you know, there's a whole element of this that does take, take faith. But even in that faith, here's what I want you to know. God has revealed himself to us in many ways. In other words, God loved us so much, he didn't leave it for us to just try to figure out on our own. God has, in many ways, tried to show us who he is and why and how he feels about us. In fact, let me just give you a few of them. First, you can believe how God, believe how God has revealed himself in nature. Believe how God has revealed himself in nature. You know, I was talking to a, a couple right before the first service, and they had just come back off a, off a trip uh, to, to Arkansas, and they were talking about this very beautiful, beautiful place that they were, and the waterfalls, and all the things that they saw, and, and it was so interesting, because they said, you know what, you could just see the handiwork of God everywhere, you know, you could just see it, and all you got to do is open your eyes, and look around at this world, and you, you, you think to yourself, do you really believe that this just happened all on its own? When you look at how intricate our, 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 our whole universe is, when you look at how the earth is made, when you look at the complexity of the human being or, or even of the simplest animal, you ask yourself the question, do you really believe that without any guidance whatsoever that this stuff just came out of the dirt and came together? That just it doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's like my, uh, my grandson Maddox um, he and I were talking one day, and, and he asked me the question. He said, Grandpa, why do you believe in God? And I said, Maddox, to me, the world doesn't make any sense without God. And he said, well, what do you mean? I, I said, you know, it doesn't make any sense to me how all of this stuff came to be without there being a God being there. I, I said, for instance, Maddox, I said, look at, this, look at this lounge chair. This is not a real complex mechanism. I said, look at this lounge chair. I said, if I took this lounge chair apart... 
And, and I put the fabric over here, and I put all the screws and bolts over here, and I put all the wood over here and the springs over here. If I put all of that together, close together, and in the middle of the room, I said, how long do you think it would take for all of those parts to somehow find their way to each other and come together and make a lounge chair? And he said, well, that's stupid, Grandpa. I said, <laughs> I said there you are. I said, Maddox, to, to believe that, that, that out of matter that had no, no instinct or, 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 or meaning behind it without any guidance whatsoever, I, I said, even the smallest parts of our being, you know, our DNA and our, the proteins that make up our body, they are so incredibly complex. You look at it and you go, how could this be without God? How could it be? Uh, one of my favorite books I read, uh, if you're kind of interested in that kind of stuff, is a, a book by, called uh, Counting to God, written by a guy named Doug, Douglas L. E L L. And Doug, um, Doug was an incredibly bright kid. I think his family were actually religious, but at an early age, he kind of got around uh, different people and just stopped believing in God. He was extremely smart and ended up going to MIT. Uh, got a double major in mathematics and physics, uh, went on after that and got a master's degree in theoretical mathematics from uh, the University of Maryland, went on after that and got a law degree and became uh, an incredibly successful a attorney. And, and yet what was funny was this, this Doug, as an atheist, as he was making his way through science and mathematics, said it was science and mathematics that turned his heart back toward God. He said, the more I studied, the more I, I learned about how this world operates and how the body operates and how physics operate, he said, it just became more and more clear to me that the ability of all this stuff just to happen made absolutely no sense. In fact, I, I love what he said in his book. He said, at one point, he said, the math nerd in me could not help but calculate, literally on the back of an envelope on an airplane, the fantastic improbability that a single functional protein was ever created by accident in the entire history of the universe. He goes, I, when I looked at the math in this, he goes, I was thunderstruck. It was an aha moment for me. I remember staring at the calculations in disbelief and thinking to myself, couldn't others do the math? and see what seemed so obvious. He said it was a no-brainer, and at that moment, I knew modern science supported belief in God. When you see a design, you know there had to be a designer. When you see a building, you know there had to be a builder, and when you see a creation, you know there has to be a creator. Amen? You bet. Believe how, how God has revealed himself through Scripture. Believe how God has revealed himself through Scripture. Now, right in front of you on the back of the pews, we have Bibles. And those Bibles are our gift to you. Uh, we remind you frequently. They, we want you, if you don't have a Bible, we want you to take one of those homes with you. Home with you. If you have a friend who needs a Bible, we want you to take one of those and give to them. Why? Because God, out of his desire to reveal himself through history, had men write down the stories of God interacting with this world so they wouldn't be lost through history. 
In other words, that's why the Bible talks about that these writers were inspired, moved by God to write these things down just so that we could know. Wanda and I, uh, this week, we, we started season two of The Chosen. How many of you have watched The Chosen? Oh my gosh. If you've not watched The Chosen, you've you got to watch it. It is the most unbelievable production of, the, of Jesus that I've ever seen. It's just, it's just amazing. But this first uh, one of, of season two was about John writing, and it, it, it kind of showed John writing some of the gospel and how these thoughts came to him. And, and it reminded me again, God loved us so much, he wanted to reveal himself. And so he had us write it down. Why do I want you in the Bible? Because it's not just stories, it's history. And it's the history of God at work in this world. Does that make sense to you? Thirdly, believe how God has revealed himself through Jesus. Believe how God has revealed himself through Jesus. One of my favorite old stories was a story of a day in first grade when it was time for art and the teacher was having kids just draw, you know, draw a picture, whatever you want to draw and have get them paper and colored pencils and all that. And she's walking around looking over the shoulder. She stopped at one kid's desk and looking over his shoulder and she's work, he's working away and she looked, peered and she goes, Daddy, what, what are you drawing? He said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she started laughing. She said, well, Johnny, nobody knows what God looks like. He goes, they will when I'm done. <laughs> And I thought, just laughed, and I thought, that's what a, great, what a great story. But you know what? We do know what God looks like. For the word, God, became flesh and lived among us. And we beheld his glory, and authors wrote down what it was like to see God in the flesh. He has a name, and his name is Jesus. And everything you want to know about God, you can find in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to reveal to us this is what God is like. Believe how God has revealed himself to others. Believe how God has revealed himself to others. If nature is not enough and scripture is not enough and Jesus isn't enough, look around this room. How many of you could share a personal story of a way that God worked in your life that you know without a shadow of a doubt it was unmistakably God. Anybody have a story like that? Talk to some of these people and listen to how God has moved in them. And you know what? This is the tip of the iceberg of billions of people who are all around this planet. God has revealed himself. He is real, and he wants you to believe him deeply. The second one, and this is so cool, God is real, and you know what? He wants to have a personal relationship with you. God is real, and he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Look at me. Oh, hear my heart. God doesn't want to just be real. He wants to be close. He wants to be close. He wants you to open your heart up because he is a real being who wants to live in an intimate relationship 
with you. And that all starts in believing who he really is. That was why Jesus came. You know, what's so sad is that when Christ came to earth and born as a Jew, God had been working all through history with the Jews, preparing them for this moment that Jesus was going to come. And yet when Jesus came, many of them didn't recognize that this was God in the flesh. Many of them chose not to believe. Many of them, frankly, didn't want to believe. Look at what it says on your outline. John 1, verse 12 and 13. Read it with me. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become the children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. You want a great picture of this very real God and his desire for us? Look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Read it out loud with me, church. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as what? Think about that. The God who created all of the universe wants to be friends with you. God isn't, isn't wanting to just come in and, and take control of your life and, and have you not be interacted at all. God doesn't want to, he doesn't want to pin you in. He's not here to harm you. He's not here to do you evil. God wants to set you free to live the life that he created you to have with him as your friend. God is real. How real is he? you. You know, one of the cool things that I love about God, it doesn't matter how far away from God we've run. It doesn't matter if we've lived a lot of our life in disbelief. It doesn't matter if we were like Doug L., who spent a lot of his years telling people there was no God. Whenever we come to that place of letting his Holy Spirit speak to us, the Bible says that if we will but open our heart to the Lord, invite him in as our Savior, he will forgive us of our past. He will give us a new nature and a new spirit. And from that day forward, you know what? We can not only say God is real, we can say God is here. Do you need to do that? If you've spent some of your life believing God isn't real and today you're open to receiving him, I pray that you'll do that. If you've said that God is real but you've kind of kept him out here, today would you just open your heart to draw him close? God doesn't want to be just a deity to you. He wants to be savior. He wants to be your guide. He wants to be your friend. I just want to invite you to, to lean into God, and you can do that uh, right where you are at home. You can do that right where you sit. There may be some of you who, maybe you just need a, a defining moment that you just want to turn a corner in your relationship with God. And you want to slip out from where you are, and you can come to the front. You can stand, or you can kneel. You can do whatever is comfortable for you. Well, we're going to sing this song through, and then I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God to become more real to us this year than he's ever been before. 
This song is based on the story of the prodigal son, a son who ran a long way from his father. But the moment that he came back, his father received him with open arms. And that's how God is with you. You respond today in whatever way you want to as God opens his arms and his heart to you. Father, I thank you this morning that out of your great grace and wisdom that you have made such an effort to reveal yourself to us. And I pray, oh God, I pray that today that your Holy Spirit will fall upon tender hearts. That, Lord, that we won't fight back. I, I know that the enemy is working overtime today trying to convince people that you're not real, you're not really there, and you don't want to get uh, fanatical about this stuff. But, Lord, you're just such a loving God. You sent your son Jesus to step into the mess of our lives so that you could change us, transform us, clean us up, put our feet on a better path, guide our lives, work in our homes, move through us. There's so much that you have to offer that we can never receive as long as we keep you at arm's distance. So today, Lord, I pray that for some people, you will become real today. For others, I pray that you will become really real that, Lord, that we wouldn't just acknowledge that you are there, but that we would open the door of our hearts and allow you to be close. Lord, I can't think of any better way than starting a new year and getting this uh, 2022 off to a right start than to lean into you with all that we have and allow you to wrap your arms of love and mercy and strength around us. Lord, help us this year to walk in the close, intimate relationship that you had intended from the beginning. Lord, we love you so much. And it's in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. And everyone said, amen.